The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm joined by my colleague, Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Lenny Mendonca, who served as chief economic and business advisor uh, to Governor Gavin Newsom. And so we wanted to ask Lenny economic questions. Lenny, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, John Tim. Look forward to it. Here's something weird. Here's what I basically find kind of strange right now is uh, unemployment is... Um, well, better than it was in April and May when it was over 16%. It's somewhere around 85 now, I think, or maybe even less, somewhere around there, according to the EDD. But property values are going through the roof, at least in Sacramento. And I hear that from other folks elsewhere. And I always associated unemployment with a diminishing in property values. But it seems to be the opposite is, hand, is going on right now. So what's happening here right now? We have sort of a contrast here uh, the economy seems to be stronger than one would expect. So what's your take on that? Well, um, it is a, a, a funky economy, and, and in part because this was not a obviously a normal economic downturn. We were in a very healthy economy a year ago at this time, and the virus hit. And so what we're seeing is the effect of a virus-driven economy, and what's happening is that it's a K-shaped recovery that – at the top, and if you're in sectors or in some degree geographies that can have benefited or at least not been severely damaged by what's happening in the overall downturn, tech in particular, and people who can work remotely, uh, it's been going fine. And that's partly why the stock market's doing well. It's partly why real estate values overall are doing well. Um, and then if you're in industries that are in-person service businesses, particularly things that are restaurants, hospitality, travel and tourism, small retail, those have, and services supporting those have been deeply hit and are going to have a challenge recovering. So part of the real estate strength is driven by that. They're still at the top end of the economy. And for those who are working remotely, a substantially attractive business or just people working from home. Um, and then secondly, uh, Sacramento is benefiting from some of the outflow from the Bay Area. The Those who were figuring that they can work from home figured out that they can have a very attractive life in in Sacramento and not have to commute to, to the East Bay or to, to San Francisco. And so that's part of what's driven it. Um, and then we have not been more fundamentally in California for a while, building homes to keep pace with the population. And so in general, the supply and demand balance is still out of whack, but disproportionately places like Sacramento have been been advantaged in the economy that we're in. Do you think that'll be a permanent fixture after this uh, pandemic is over, after we emerge from it, that people will remain working at home? No, I don't think we'll go back to the conventional office setting for a reasonable portion of the workforce. Obviously, there's um, jobs that have to be done in person. The last time I checked, it was hard to get a burger remotely. But the <laughs> um, but there are large swaths of jobs and portions of workforces that can be done remotely. And to the extent that they can do that, 
um, and they're set up for it either at their homes or in remote locations, I think you're going to see more of that, which actually in all honesty done properly is, is good for California and it's good for the country so that we're not all cramming into smaller and smaller geographies with tight real estate markets and traffic challenges and people commuting and uh, putting bad things into the air in their cars. Um, if you can work remotely at least a large portion of the time, I think that's a good thing. Um, there's still obviously unknowns about how much of that will will sustain, but almost everyone who's looked at this has said this is uh, you know, a phase shift in, in work that as we were when I was in the state launched the Future of Work Commission and trying to look at things that would happen over the next decade in terms of how work might evolve. And it turns out that a lot of those things that we thought would take decades or years now look like they're happening in months. So we'll see as it comes back, but I do think this is a more permanent shift of a large portion of economic activity to be able to be done remotely. Do, uh, Lenny, do you have any uh, advice for small business owners? I know um, you and your wife are founders and owners of the Half Moon Bay Brewing Company and the Mavericks Beer Company. And as soon as I, as soon as I heard brewing and beer, my ears pricked up. And those sounds like uh, businesses that you enjoy running and handling. And I'm wondering uh, your familiarity with small businesses. Do you have any thoughts for other small business people out there who are, I think, suffering right now through the pandemic and through closures, forced closures and that kind of thing? I mean, this is really, really difficult times for particularly mom and pop businesses or those that we were talking about earlier that rely on in-person activity or are supported by um, people who are working in offices. And so the ability to um, navigate through this and in many cases just survive has been extraordinarily challenging. And so I, my first um, reaction is just uh, deep, sympathy and acknowledgement of that challenge. Um, there are uh, resources available that can help mitigate that a bit. We're in the, literally today, then the opening of the first, of uh, the next round of PPP from the federal government. And on Wednesday, it will be available for those who were, got it in the last round. The state has some grant resources available. There have been people who have stepped up from uh, the communities, philanthropy, local businesses trying to help others. Um, but it's all, it's very difficult. I mean, the most important thing people have been doing is trying to adapt their business to be able to survive in this environment to lower costs and try and keep as many people as they can employed. Um, you know, we're, in the, as you said, in the restaurant and beer business and, um, you know, we've had to very dramatically shift what we're doing depending on what's, um, available to be done given the spread of the virus. And we're back now and the only thing we can do is is takeout. Uh, a while ago we were able to do, and hopefully we'll be again sometime here soon, to be able to do outside seating. And that was, we adapted dramatically to that. Now that was all of our seating, and but we've closed the tap room. We, our events business is non-existent and you just have to work your way through it and try and, um, try and hope for a, a more rapid flattening of this curve and rapid distribution of vaccines because that's what's causing this downturn. I, you know, I was looking at the, some of the state budget numbers uh, from last year and the proposal for this year. And on the one hand, um, the impact did not seem to be 
as bad as people had originally expected. Um, but on the other hand, it seems going forward there could be there could be issues. Um, I, I saw one early story suggested a twenty-six billion dollar, basically a, a landfall, uh, a huge amount of money coming in that was unexpected. That has since been tempered. Uh, do you have any sense going forward about the state budget? Here we are in January. This is early. It doesn't take effect till July first, the twenty-one twenty-two budget. But uh, and I know you're familiar with budgets. But do you have any sense going forward what uh, budget-wise this pandemic means for California in terms of revenue receipts, tax receipts, that kind of thing? Well, as as you know well, the California budget is very highly dependent on high income earners and the uh, both personal income and capital gains that come with it because capital gains are taxed as ordinary income in California. So it can be very volatile. And this happens to be a, a downturn, as we were talking about earlier, that is um, been a K-shaped recovery. So the top is still doing fine. The stock markets are at record levels. The IPO market is still robust and high income earners have done pretty well. In fact, in some cases, um, extraordinarily well. And so a budget that's very dependent on that um, looks good right now. That was, we were thinking about this, you know, in uh, the middle of the year, or certainly in March or April, it didn't look like that at all as the markets were tanking and the economy was closing down. Well, the economy is still in rough shape, but the stock markets have held up and as a real estate markets, as we were talking about earlier. And so that's what's driving this. And that volatility will still be there going forward. So it's really hard to predict what it's going to look like, you know, years from now and or uh, even months from now. And so the way you deal with that is a budget structure as best you can that is flexible. So you don't you use one time volatile revenue for one time things, and then you have a large reserve. And so I think it's very prudent to have a kind of budget that projects conservatively for what the outlook could be, because it could still be problematic if we have a steep decline in, in markets, but uses the resources on the urgent priorities and then continues to have a reserve so that when that downturn that is inevitable um, hits more broadly, that we don't have to drastically cut everything. And so that's basically been the philosophy for since uh, Governor Brown and and certainly Governor Newsom has extended that, and I think that's what we're we're looking at. I, my own view, without, you know, I'm not a market prognosticator, but I my bet is that we're in for a couple more quarters at least of difficult economic time, particularly until we have widespread vaccinations. Um, but that as that happens, we will see a recovery that can be pretty pretty good. And California, in particular, can benefit from an economy that is uh, upticking in terms of sectors that have been closed because the California economy's got a large sectors that are dependent on things like travel and tourism and the entertainment industry and and uh, hospitality and restaurants and so those sorts of things. And as they open up, people have who have been like all of us sitting in our homes, not able to do some of those things, are going to want to do that stuff. And so I think. You know, the intermediate outlook is pretty good. Uh, the near term, to me, I'd be really cautious and not spend ahead of what we've got in the bank. So, hey, Lenny, you mentioned PPE earlier, and there was a, a large injection of PPE back in spring. And now there's been another one that was passed just recently. Do you see the new incoming administration doing another stimulus 
at, at some point this spring or, or anything like that. Do you have any, any insight into that? The uh, PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, the second round just got launched, as we said, today. Um, and for repeat, will be open on Wednesday, including utilizing some of what was not uh, drawn down the first time. Uh, the new administration has said, and most of the economic advisors around him have been on record of saying, we will need to support the economy as long as we need to support it. And if we're not recovering rapidly, we'll do another round. And whether that's direct payment to to uh, citizens or whether it is uh, a combination of that and more support for small businesses, I think we will likely need it. And I think if it's needed, um, a new a Biden administration, particularly combined with a Democratic-controlled Senate, um, will make that happen. It may be more uh, targeted. Um, the Senator Manchin, who's one of the swing Democratic votes, has said he's not in favor of a a large stimulus, but would be and things that are targeted. So we'll see how that plays out. But I would think that's part of why the stock markets were rallying around the election results under a belief that there will be more fiscal stimulus in the in the near term with the Biden administration. And I think that's wise. Is there any um, other than the uh, specifically the pandemic, but in terms of dealing with the feds, there's an expectation in California that relations are going to get a lot better with Biden than they were with Trump and with, uh, with the administration as a whole, are there other areas other than uh, uh, help with the pandemic and dealing with that, but are there other areas that California could look forward to in terms of federal funding, maybe high-speed rail, maybe infrastructure, uh, other kinds of things? Well, I think there's no question that it's going to be a better relationship in part because it couldn't have gotten much worse. Um, when you have, yeah. you know, the attorney general's office was spending all of their time with lawyers fighting, spending, uh, filing lawsuits to fight actions from the federal government can now turn to things that are more positive. Um, there's a wide array of things where I think there will be support. Um, certainly continuing support for disaster relief will be essential as we head into fire seasons again. But that the, the administration, this administration reluctantly, um, in many cases, and sometimes late, did support but I think the general economic support will be very helpful, as we talked about. I think infrastructure more broadly is something that we're likely to see a substantial push from the new administration, in part because it's needed and wise, and in part because it can be a bipartisan victory. That will likely include substantial investment in rail. I mean, you have a president-elect who commuted on rail and is likely, as he said, to go to his inauguration from on a train um, will support things. And, you know, first <laughs> yeah. help on that would be to get rid of the lawsuit that or the holding back of nine hundred million dollars that the federal government owes the state of California. So that's a uh, from high speed rail. That would be a start. Um, the uh, alignment with the state's objectives for everything related to climate and the move to a clean economy will have huge benefits for the state of California, both in terms of budget, but also in terms of businesses that are in California who have, have navigated their way through that in ways that they're aligned with a, a new climate agenda that will be very helpful. And then there are things that are associated with downside protections around uh, continuing the robust support for the uh, Affordable Care Act and its expansion. 
that are really important for the state's budget and important for its citizens um, in economic terms, but also in justice terms, criminal justice alignment, the issues around immigration, dreamers, support for post-secondary education. Um, how much would you like me to continue? <laughs> so many. Well, hey, I've got I've got one question. Uh, I, we we talked a little bit uh, before about uh, the high end and earners and high income earners in California having a disproportionate impact on the on the budget or on on state revenues. Are there any suggestions you might have for tax code reforms? Are there things we should be doing uh, that we're not doing now in order to to get away from this overbalance of relying on this over reliance on um, these high-income earners. And you're talking about in the state of California or the federal government? Yeah, just in California, yeah. You know, again, as, as we talked about earlier, California has benefited from that tax structure in this part of an economic cycle, but it can also be challenging if there are concerns about uh, too much dependence on that segment of earners. So if anything, what you'd want to do is broaden the tax base to include either some elements of uh, you was on the ballot and failed this time around commercial property taxes, uh, issues around broadening the base of what is taxed and sales taxes to some elements of services. Uh, you know, I think that those are all really interesting economic questions and extraordinarily difficult political questions to get done since most of them will have to go to the ballot. Uh, in the meantime, that I think having an even larger as we continue to do um, in this budget proposal from the governor, um, expansion of reserves, uh, rainy day fund and other reserves is really, really wise. Um, you know, it's extraordinary at this point of an economic cycle that uh, able to have a substantial expectation from this budget, though there will be more money put into the rainy day fund. So. Um, I, again, I think those are important elements of, you know, of, that in many ways, the worst economic overall environment, the budget calls for another almost $16 billion in the rainy day fund for this year. So those are good things. I know the fire, wildfires have battered the state over the last three years, especially before that intermittently, but uh, the last three years seem to be just continuous wildfires and enormous expenses the state has to bear. Uh, do you see this uh, rainy day fund, this emergency fund, basically increasing from year to year because this, these issues are going to get worse? Uh, do we have to make uh, allowance for that? I think the total budget this year was $230 billion and some change. So uh, out of every budget, we're going to have to put aside you know, 8%, 10% uh, just to have it on hand in case we run into another horrific forest fire or some other natural disaster. Unfortunately, I, it's hard to believe that we're going to have a, a substantial change in the, the climate-related disasters. And if, to the extent that we know that's coming, it should be budgeted every year, not taken out of a reserve fund. Um, and there's a substantial need for continued investment in resilience to deal with broader, longer-term climate issues, as well as the shift to clean economy. So some of those can be bonded. Some of those can be part of a general fund. Um, I don't think in general they ought to be things that are out of a rainy day fund, but they're also things that, again, with a supportive federal government that's aligned with that, those are things that are 
you know, national and global investments, not just state investments. And we ought to be partly expecting the federal government to support some of those as well, not just dealing with them after the fact in disaster relief. I know every year, the, the, every budget year anyway, and often on the ballot, the idea of financing greater infrastructure projects comes up. And recently, uh, several billion dollars was approved, and I see construction all over the place now, at least here in Sacramento where I live. Is there more out there for infrastructure? Is this going to be a recurring? Do we go to the ballot and have ask voters to borrow, or can we plug that into our uh, to the to the budget that the legislature approves and the governor signed? Is there more money for infrastructure out there that you see? There definitely needs to be more money for infrastructure. It's true in the state budget. It's much of that has been um, sponsored and supported by uh, cities and counties that is getting deployed now whether it's general fund or in most cases bonding. Um, I do think there will be continuous need for the state government to do investment in infrastructure. In some cases, it's just deferred maintenance, as you'll see some of that in this budget that was just put out, but also an ongoing investment in um, the the requirements of a, uh, infrastructure that's necessary for the scale of the economy and the population, but also to move to a different kind of more... Um, less energy intensive, climate resilient infrastructure. Um, again, as I said earlier, I expect that there's a real chance that we will see a very large federal investment in infrastructure, which is long overdue and broadly supported. Those are the types of measures that you have hearings on, on Capitol Hill and you have the US Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO both testifying for it. And it's uh, something that the President, the current president, President Trump, continued to talk about wanting to do and never did. And so it's still needed. It's also a good time in the economic cycle to do those things. So I expect to see that uh, support coming from the federal government as well. Great. Uh, Lenny, just one last question. What's your uh, sort of seat of the pants estimate? This is, has nothing to do with the economy per se, but when do you think we're going to get emerge from this coronavirus pandemic? Uh, you have any thoughts about that? Are we stuck for 20? Is 2021 going to be another last year, it seems? Um, I, uh, again, I'm not, I don't have medical credentials. Um, from what I have um, seen, read, and expectations and talking with people who are, who do know more about it, we need to uh, really, really be disciplined all in all the public health measures until we have widespread vaccination. And, you know, we have a last mile problem of getting shots in arms that's going to take a while. And so, even best case, we're talking. Um, summer or early fall before we've got widespread vaccination. And until then, um, it's going to be challenging. And even after that, it's going to, you know, we're still going to have to be disciplined about our our uh, wearing masks and being thoughtful about all of our behavior in ways that, that crush this thing. Because until it's crushed, we're not going to have an economic recovery. This is a COVID-driven downturn, and it will be a covid um, driven upturn when it when it's uh, crushed. Great. Lenny Mendonca, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Tim Foster, thank you. Sure, John. And uh, this is John Howard and saying uh, thank you all very much and we'll see you next time around. Take care. Great. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Lenny.